and land packages? Are they good for first home buyers or the proverbial minefield? In this episode, we're tackling new builds. We'll reveal why we're not fans of house and land packages, but if you must buy or build new, how to go about it without taking too many huge risks. Welcome to Your First Home Buyer Guide, the podcast for first home buyers who want to move it along and become homeowners. But most importantly, it is for you to become an educated home buyer. I'm Megan and that was Veronica. We're both buyers agents and probably old enough to be your mum. But that's a good thing because between us, we've got over 45 years experience to share with you and market loads of stories about avoidable mistakes. Together, we're going to make sure you get unbiased and real information you can rely on. Allow us to guide you on your home buying journey. We want you to become an educated home buyer so that you can stop looking for your first home and actually become a proud homeowner. We've got loads of great tips for you in this episode. And if you'd like more useful tools, head over to the website, homebuyeracademy.com.au. And there you'll get access to our free mini course, How to Price a Property Like a Professional. You will also find the holy grail of home buying education, Your First Home Buyer Guide, the online course for people who want to become educated home buyers. We created this for you to help you get on the right path to home ownership for your first home and beyond. But before we get into the interesting stuff in this week's episode, we've got the boring bit, the disclaimer. You of course know that nothing in this podcast is to be taken as personal advice. We always recommend getting the advice of an expert in their field who takes the time to understand your personal situation. We've done our very best to ensure that the content is correct at the time of recording. Things change rapidly, so always check with the relevant government authority and your trusted advisors to get the most up-to-date information. Today we're talking about buying a brand new house. Now we know that many first home buyers are very tempted to maximise government grants and buy a home that nobody has ever lived in before. <laughs> so we want to make sure that you're well informed with the cons and the pros. But before we get into that, Megan's not only got a special house but a special suburb behind her. Do tell. Oh, <laughs> uh, look, there's something about the the beauty of an established suburb that has big trees and character homes and and lots of diversity around it. This is a typical house, new housing estate. It just chills me to the bone, honestly. I, I I couldn't even imagine living in a place like this. But this is kind of what they look like with no trees and lots of the same. Lots of grey roofs. It's all you lots see is grey road and grey roof. So yes, <laughs> all I can think of is the heat. Oh, well, we'll get to that. Okay. So you're thinking seriously about buying into a new housing estate, despite the fact that we don't really like it, you do. And there are some obvious reasons why this could be an attraction or an attractive option. So let's, I guess, run through some of those. Yeah, look, there's no doubt that there's a lot of things that are attractive for a first-time buyer about a new house and land package. You know, there's the government incentives that are available that really are there probably to stimulate the the building industry, let's be honest, but they can add quite a bit to uh, what you've already saved. So you can actually potentially afford more when you purchase if you can take advantage of those incentives. And we will get to that. There's a few little pitfalls there. And so stay tuned because we want to- We're talking about the pros here. Put the spotlight <laughs> on that, but, but just be, be, you know, be wary that for every silver lining, there's a Dark. No, I'm not getting the metaphors. There's a storm up. brewing. <laughs> there's a storm. All right. <laughs> and look, one of the other pros, obviously, that attracts first home buyers is that everything's shiny and brand new. You know, like oh, it's, yeah. you think 
and and it should be low maintenance, right? But we have heard some yeah, general stories, We've and heard we heard some re- bad stories, haven't we? Look, I, I know my stepdaughter, um, gorgeous lady, and her her partner in New Zealand are at the moment looking at brand new apartments, and and that for them, you know, we've talked about the pros and cons. They're well aware. They're making a decision. They're right in the middle of of Wellington, and and that's a decision that they've made with their eyes open, so they mm. know what they're looking for and what they're not looking for. And we will get to that. We will get to having your eyes open because there are big risks, and we're here to help you avoid those risks, right? So we're just pointing out what might attract you, but also yeah. being, hang on a minute, don't get carried away. Don't think <laughs> we're endorsing it. Be very careful. Um, and obviously warranties and guarantees, that gives some comfort, I guess, that if things go wrong. However, again, it we can be attractive. that in more yeah, detail. It can really <laughs> feel like it's it's an attractive thing. Wow, I've got a builder's warranty for whatever the statutory period is. And I've got these guarantees. It can feel quite positive. There's also that yeah. opportunity to customise. Um, so... Uh, some of the plans are just set in stone. That's that's all you get, and you get three colour options for the outside and three colour options for the inside and two choices of carpet and two choices of tiles. And in some, I've even heard of some developers dictating everything. So you simply get this or this. That's it. And, and that's how they keep, keep things quite um, uniform in, in their areas. But you know, the cost it is down. one thing that people feel attracted to is that opportunity to customise during the build process. Yeah. And obviously stamp duty savings, depending on how you structure the purchase um, and also what state or territory you're in. You may only pay stamp duty on the land or none if under a state threshold. And that, that can save a bit of money. It, it can potentially save a bit of money. Again, we go back to some of our, you know, some of our actual principles, which are you don't want to keep yourself under a threshold. Sorry, I'm going into the, the, the cons here, but, you know, it's hard not to. Hard not to. <laughs> it's hard not to. You don't want to keep yourself under a threshold just to meet a criteria for a, a certain thing because yeah. there's a whole lot of you there competing and pushing up prices. Anyway, we digress. You look, you you potentially also get to save more while the property is being built. So yeah, that's sort a good of point. you might means that you commit to buying and you think, great, I'm locked in, and then you know that you can save more um, before you need to settle on that. Yeah, and you know, in some of these master plan communities, you know they they look pretty attractive they really sell the dream don't they you know that whole oh, promise of lifestyle and local amenities and schools and shops and daycare and parks and all that sort of stuff so what we want to say here is that we see the appeal yeah. we want you to be hypercritical when you look at these uh particular opportunities right because you they're take not the rose-colored all glasses off that's it they're not all as glossy as they seem and and so we're going to sort of talk through the cons so it's not to say that everybody loses when they buy a house <laughs> and land package it's not true and it's not to say that it's not necessarily the right thing for you. It's just that when you do go and buy brand new, you dial up your risks substantially. And it's not just, Veronica, it's not just the short-term risks. It's the long-term yeah. risks. Yeah. yeah. So let's let's sort of kick off, you know, let's pull it apart a bit. Let's go a bit deeper. Because as <laughs> you no doubt heard us say it many, many times, and we've said it many times so far this episode, we're not fans. And But before we get into what you need to do to reduce your risks, Let's let's get a better understanding of what those risks actually are. Yeah. And there can be, I mean, I think the biggest thing and the thing that concerns us greatly is there can be an oversupply of land in some locations. So you might be looking at um, an estate that's just been released and then might be, say, 40 or 50 or 60 blocks in that estate. But what you need to do is be aware that there could be another 50 releases in 12 months, another 100 releases in 18 months. 
So you need to look at the bigger picture, not just the little estate that you're looking to purchase in. Absolutely. So get on the aerial map and just see how much more land is out there that could be developed. There's also, interestingly enough, in some big master plans, the first release are often on bigger blocks of land and the, the blocks, you know, progressively get smaller and smaller with the more That's releases. Good observation. So, yeah. you know, so getting, you could argue, oh, getting early is great because I'm on a bigger block. But the problem is you're still devalued by the fact that you've got ongoing releases and for sometimes into, into a decade. Yeah, so these things can really impinge on your capital growth for a long time. So oversupply is a huge problem. Um, Actually, we were talking about this in our office yesterday. There's there's a couple of big master plan communities um, out sort of on the way from Brisbane to Ipswich, and they have been developed over the long term. So release, 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 and it's some of it has been you know over ten to fifteen years. Um, And what we've observed, we don't buy in those areas unless someone is actually working, living out there, it's a home, they're making a really well-informed decision because that's where they want to live as opposed to an investor mm. or a first-time buyer just trying to get in the market. But what we've observed is exactly what you say. The the blocks of land 15 years ago were up around the six 700 square metres and they're now down to 254 square metres in the current release. Mm. So, and that's progressively gotten smaller and smaller. And that's because the developer can squeeze more profit out of uh, smaller blocks of land. Yep. And, you know, and look, on that, I mean, I wrote, actually, I think we've got an article in, in our website on this. I think we did actually. Link and put, put it into, yeah. the, um, into the show notes because I actually wrote this article way back when I was filming an episode of Location, Location, Location Australia in Point Cook. And and I was like, oh, I don't really want to help somebody buy out here. But I did sort of go through and I really pulled apart and teased out how to buy, you know, the the best, when all the houses look the same, how to pick the best one to buy. Uh, so we'll, we'll put, put that in the, the, the show notes. Yeah. yeah. Now, and, and on that, one of the problems, because we talk about scarcity, right? Scarcity is important. It's a scarcity of supply, but also a scarcity of the type of property. You want to always scarcity buy something. being a positive thing, Veronica, Absolutely. as opposed to a we negative want thing. scarcity. And we the problem is when you've got these new subdivisions where it's basically same, 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 little boxes on the hillside. Yeah. If you're lucky, there's a hillside. There's just some sort of interesting topography, but mostly it's all flat. And, you know, it, it's your house is the same as the one next door, same as the one the next block, and so on, you know. Yeah. Um, it's, and then like, as the new- it's like the background. If you're watching the video, it's like the background same, same, same. in some of these estates. And without that scarcity to push up prices, the scarcity is what, what makes drives FOMO. Oh, that's unusual. That's great. That's different. I really want that. I will fight for that versus I don't have to push myself to buy that property because there's another one there's just down the road. exactly down the, the same. road. Yeah. So, and, that's, <laughs> and we're going to talk about that a little bit more shortly because it's a really important one to understand. But looking at the background and thinking about this same, same, lots of boxes, usually how these estates are developed is everything is completely raised. So mm, there is mm. no trees. There's no. Mm, mm. They completely take everything to ground level. They put in the road infrastructure. Generally, the you know electricity is underground. All of your underground services, water, sewage, all that sort of stuff goes under. So you've got just flat baked land to start with and what that does and this is a really important thing to think about particularly as we're we're facing a a dramatic change in our climates is how what these places often get because they haven't got any of the greenery the established large trees that help with the cooling effect that provide canopy that provide a cooling effect they can be really hot boxes 
And you might plant some trees and think that's okay, I'll, I'll, I'll help absorb some of that heat over time. They take a long time to grow. It's called the urban heat effect and, and some of these suburbs can be 10 degrees hotter than, than established areas with trees. Yeah. And, and not only that, but you see the colour of the roofs in the video, in the, if you're watching the video, you'll see it in the, in the image behind Megan. Um, you know, what's trendy at the moment is monument. You know, it's, it's a, it's a colour bond colour, it's a dark grey. And it is not good for the environment to have monument-coloured roofs. We should have light-coloured roofs, and that actually reflects more heat away instead of absorbing it. And all these things, no trees, lots of hard surfaces, houses that take up a huge percentage of the block with very the little land. outdoor space, mm-hmm. dark roofs, all of these things contribute to this urban heat effect and making it really uncomfortable to live. Um, yep. it, so it, anyway, you have to think about it. You have to really think about it. Because if you're in a really hot area and you've got a hot roof, then you're going to be using air conditioning a lot. And your costs of oper- and also they don't put solar panels on these houses. Like you know, it's <laughs> ridiculous that they're not, but they don't. And and generally speaking, so you know, you've got high energy costs, etc., etc. Et mm. We've got so many on our list. We should start to rattle them off rather than get into detail. <laughs> Lack of infrastructure. <laughs> because we're passionate about it. I know. Like, but anyway, poor build quality. This is really important, Veronica, because we're hearing it over and over and over, particularly in large-scale large um, developments. If you're not going with a, a reputable builder, you could run into difficulties. And whilst you might think, well, I've got a warranty, it's okay, if that builder goes broke, then... What do you do? You, 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 are, you could be tied up for years well, trying to get things fixed. To be honest, you're worse off if the builder doesn't go broke because you've got to try and get them to come back. <laughs> try to get a builder to come back if they don't care, you yeah. know, and yeah. if they do go broke, at least the homeowner's warranty kicks in. But, you know, that's, that's still a, bit a of process. A People yeah, think you've got a warranty, but you've really only got a warranty if the builder goes broke. If the builder doesn't go broke, trying to get them back to fix it, they're moved on, they're moved on, they're trying to make profit. When if you go back to episodes at ninety six where we interviewed the uh, site inspector, he yeah. this is a guy Melbourne who specialises in these inspections, pre settlement inspections of brand new houses. It's mortifying. You should check check, check his TikTok channel. Yeah, all <laughs> the stuff he the things discovers. You can't see. So yeah. people assume yeah. that you're getting brand new and it's in really good condition and you don't have to worry about anything. It's like actually worse because yeah. if it hasn't been built well. And there can be limitations on the warranty. So whilst it you might feel like you're getting a builder's warranty, there can be limitations. And what you feel is a defect or a structural issue may actually not be. Mm. Now, someone else is making the profit. Someone else is making the profit. That's right. One of the things that we talk about, one of our Home Bar Academy property principles is capital growth matters. Now, when you're buying new, it's actually someone else who's making the profit, not you. Not only that, it takes often it's like buying a brand new car. And the minute it's not brand new anymore, it loses value. Now, the car will never regain that value. Over time, a house might. But how long are you going to wait? You know, you you don't want to. You need to wait for one of these post-COVID events that was just so far out of the ballpark. That's where we've seen increasing prices of, you know, two or three, four-year-old properties. But they're also the first ones that are starting to go down in value as well. Because... The, the fact is a lot of people who buy brand new houses lose money, particularly if they're forced to sell. And so, you know, if you have a change of circumstances, if you get a transfer, you have to live interstate, you can't yeah. rent it because there's heaps and heaps, heaps of properties out there. I mean, it's just that you're buying something that might be hard to sell. That's a trap. So yeah. we want you to, to be very careful about Eyes that. Eyes open. Eyes mm. open. Now, uncertainty is one of the big things when you're building new it's the the uncertainty around the outcome of the build, also the uncertainty of what your neighbours are going to build and what that's going to look like. 
in an established area, you've got a bit of a feel for who's there, what they, they've, they've done, what the housing styles are like, but there is an element of uncertainty when you're building new in a new estate. And quite often too, you know, that a lot of those new properties will be heavily pitched towards investors. Yeah. So what we've seen over time, that the older estates, you know, the the first lot of investors, they they get all their depreciation and all that sort of stuff, rent the properties out for a while, then they'll sell them to owner-occupiers and then you start to see people taking pride in the gardens and you actually start to see the suburb start to take shape and start to mature and, and get a bit of a personality and sort of get a bit of an appeal. But once again, that's a long time you have to wait for that whole process to go through. And it might not happen. It might not be the whim of... We we talk about limited resale options, Veronica, and it goes to your point. When you go to resell a property that you've bought new, they're not attractive to first-time buyers again because they can't get the incentives. So that part of the market is largely removed. They're not particularly attractive to upgraders. So mainly the interest comes from investors who also can give them a bit of a swerve because they don't get as great depreciation benefits as if they bought new. That's exactly right. So in reality, the key markets that were there for the brand new property don't exist. Don't exist. When you go to sell, they've evaporated. And this is a trap that a lot of first home buyers don't realise. And this is what we want you to be very aware of. Eyes wide open. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, we mentioned it, grants are there to stimulate the construction industry, not to give you a leg up into the market, and and you're all competing for the same price range. So, just be really aware of that. You can be forced into a position of overpaying because it's really not any negotiation wiggle no. room when it comes to brand new. It's just, this is the land and this is the house. That's exactly right. And not only that, but often you hear stories, and I've, I've heard this enough across the country to, to be fairly confident that it's pretty true, well, in that prices tend to rise to absorb the grants. You get the grant, the prices rise by the equivalent amount of the grant. So you're not really getting anything. It's just helping you get into the market. A lot of brokers sort of go, oh, right, well, you know, let's let's help you get these grants because it's going to get you into the market. But their job is just to get you finance. Their job isn't to get you into a good asset. Mm. And it seems like a good idea because you finally get into the property market. But you just got to remember that that um, – you know, potentially, that's one of the reasons why a lot of brand new properties do fall in value uh, in in sort of subs in the years after purchase yeah. is because they've been inflated by the grant, yeah. and so they weren't really worth it in the first place. Let's do a quick example of that because I, I just want to make sure everyone's clear on that. There could be a property that would be worth five fifty, but if there's a grant available for properties up to six hundred. That's the difference that Veronica's talking about that kind of gets absorbed is suddenly people go, all right, well, there's not much else to choose from. I'm going to go with that. I'll pay up to 600. The developer has the opportunity to go, oh, there's a grant available for 50,000. Suddenly we'll make this 600,000. And there's that gap that we're talking about that the grant sort of absorbs. Doesn't mean the property's worth it anymore. No, but also the other thing, there's a lot of, you know, accountants, mortgage brokers, financial planners that recommend you buy brand new. And can I tell you, I've, get, I've seen the emails that have been sent to us offering up to $40,000 commission to do it, to, to recommend yeah. it. Yeah. Right? So that's built into the price and that's not value. No. That's not value. That evaporates. No, it's worth nothing. And your, your, your price, what you're paying includes that, that huge commission um, for that property. So, that, so the price that you're paying 
and the value of the property can be two vastly different things. Absolutely. Now, let's talk about the typical first home buyer property risk. Now, for example, what we're talking about is most owners in these suburbs, these newer suburbs are in the same boat. When interest rates rise or values fall, it can lead to negative equity. So there's a higher chance in these suburbs of similar people, of similar type properties, of similar price range. There's a higher chance that that could lead to forced sales and mass sellouts when rates rise. And what happens then is it puts downward pressure on prices because people look at something and go, well, why would I pay six twenty for that when I can get exactly the same thing for five eighty over there because they're desperate for, to sell? Yep. And this is what you know when you hear things, you hear sort of news news stories about the mortgage belts and about mortgage cliff and all that sort of stuff. These are the areas where that is absolutely yeah. prevalent and real and relevant. And look, just one other thing I will add too: when you buy land and you're waiting for all the subdivision to go through so that they can actually commence the build. Some developers hold for years before they commence a build and you've got no control over that. So you think that you're going to get a house at some point and you think, when, 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 <laughs> when? Yes. And and you're locked in because you can't commit to something else. You can't just take your money and go, you know what, I've had enough of waiting. Yep. You're contractually bound. So, um, you know, I've spoken to a number point. of people over the years that have been trapped like that. It's yep. like you think you're doing the right thing for your future and then you go, oh, hang on a minute. No. How many times have we seen in um, first-time buyer forums on um, social media where they've said, we contracted to buy this property, to uh, this land two mm. years ago. It still hasn't settled, but we can't get out of the contract. Yeah. We want to buy somewhere else now. We've moved into state or something's changed, but they're actually contractually bound, mm. even though the subdivision hasn't gone through and the land hasn't registered and they haven't been able yeah. to build. Yeah. I remember the Big first risk. time I heard about off the plan land. I was like, you know, and it is, it is. All right, <laughs> all so, right. Let's talk about the big stuff. How to reduce the risk? You want to go down this path? You're aware now of the risks. Your eyes are wide open. Your rose-colored glasses are off. This is how you potentially can reduce some of your risk. Number one, buy in infill sites, not on the edge of suburbia. And what we mean by that is you can actually build a new house on a piece of land if you find that in an established suburb. So mm. perhaps a house that you can knock down where you have only paid for the land value, not the value of the house that sits on it. And yeah, they do exist. They're hard to find, but they do exist. That is a much better potential approach to building new than because you're, you're surrounded by established houses. You know what your neighbourhood's like. You, you know what the values are in the area and putting a new house in there would be potentially a, a good strategy. There's also some infill sites that where they're like small subdivisions in an established suburb where it might be an industrial area has been rezoned, yeah. for example. But once again, you know, we're really just being Limited. very mindful. Yeah, Limited exactly. It, yeah. It's it's a limitate. You want scarcity, remember? So so this is like there's not lots and lots and lots that's going to happen. This this is quite contained. And you think, okay, once I'm in there, then then property's value should not be you know, too uh, impacted by the fact because yeah. that there's lots and lots of new subdivisions coming because they're not going to be close anywhere near where you're buying. Yep. Um, use reputable builders. Now we know it's quite difficult um, to necessarily know whether a builder is reputable. We we did ep an episode back in 119 with somebody who specialises in this. Yes. Um, so go back and, and listen to that and just sort of get some understanding of that. But certainly you need to make sure that 
you are working with reputable builders um, and, and and I know that's difficult to do and we're not even going to sit here and tell you how to work that out because yep. that's a very, very difficult thing to do. But, you know, there are there are definitely red flags to avoid with some builders. So if there's red flags, just don't go there. Yeah. On, on that, actually, um, there are we, – we really talk about the value of having a good advisor who is an ex- expert in their field. So collecting your team around you. When you do your first-time buyer guide and you understand all the steps in the process, you understand that gathering your team around you is one of the first steps you need to do. There are experts out there who specialise in providing – um, services to people who are looking to buy at buy and build, so house and land packages. Um, and I think was that I think that was yeah, Kerry, Kerry, yeah. So there are people out there. We have interviewed Kerry. She, this is her job. She she actually works with people, and she's that conduit between the developer or the builder and the buyer mm. who has and is very aware of all of the risks associated. So definitely worth thinking about getting an expert on your side who is looking after your interests. Yeah, and on that, the experts is a specialist solicitor or conveyancer who yeah. specifically works in the new build space because yeah. the contract is going to be heavily weighted against you because it's going to be put yeah. together by a developer who has access to the you know the top-tier lawyers. You want to make sure that you fully understand your obligations and, and understand all of the risks. And if the solicitor or conveyancer you're using is not used to dealing with these contracts, they won't necessarily recognise what's in there that you need to be fully aware of. You and I have been in the buyer's agency industry for a long time, 15, 20 years, and we have seen a lot of things, but we would never provide advice on house and land packages because it is not our area of expertise. Mm. So if you are talking to a solicitor or conveyancer and they say, yeah, I've done a few of these, not good enough, not the right person for you. We want hundreds. They want to have, you want to be saying, can you tell me about a situation where something went wrong? And if they can rattle off a few examples of, you know, this happened and this happened, then you're probably on the right track. You know, you really want to interview them to make sure that they know the ins and outs of these and they've been through enough problems with buyers because they come up, right? Solicitors aren't going to be able to avoid these completely for you, but they can help you when things go wrong. And what's if just their experience? Yes, and what's just jumped into my mind is: do not use the one that the developer recommends yes, that you use. Good point. Because <laughs> they will have done heaps, but they're really or not the mortgage broker that focused. Or the, yeah, what the value are? Find <laughs> your own. Right. Do not Very go and so. use the one that a developer recommends. It's so simple. Oh, yeah. oh you do use our building inspector, use our lawyer, yep. use this, you know, it's like no 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 conflict of interest. Absolutely. Absolutely. And on that, have a handover inspection to identify the defects prior to settlement. Okay. So, you know, site ins- if you're in Victoria, you can check out site inspector <laughs> and see <laughs> he's thorough. And- yeah. yeah. There are different organizations all around the country. And and if their job is to actually go into brand new properties and identify the defects. Yep. Now, allow for a lot longer and more money than expected for the build <laughs> because, you know, people on fixed contracts and when, you know, were caught out when prices, material costs suddenly rose and rose a lot um, and they had to be renegotiated rather than basically have a half-built house, yeah, right? So yeah. that's worst-case scenario. But basically you need to allow for contingency. It is better to be pleasantly surprised and severely out of pocket. Absolutely. Or have ended a lease or have a lease ending expecting to move into a property and nowhere mm. to go. Yeah. So absolutely better to have um, a, a 
bigger picture that says, okay, well, maybe it's a nine-month bill, but let's allow 12 months just in case. And of course, our weather patterns at the moment are just extraordinary. Getting tradespeople um, can be very difficult, particularly if they go to emergency situations. So yeah, just allow a little bit more. And then if you move in before you expect, well, wait. Okay. Talk to the builder through the process or before the process. Talk to the builder about when you can visit the site to check process uh, progress because some yeah. builders will not allow you on site. And if your expectation is that you are going to be able to, you need to have that expectation reset. So don't assume that you can go there and look at the property anytime you want. Actually talk to the builder and developer about when you can access. Yeah. And talk to your broker too. Really understand how that finance will work, you know. Is it going to be a construction loan, for example? Because they're very complex and there's certain milestones and all the rest of it. So you yeah. just need to to appreciate and understand how that's all going to be structured and when you're going to be up for the money as well. Yeah. Um, and be aware of that time frame and making sure that your approval lasts long enough and all of that sort of stuff. So really get across that before you commit to anything. Absolutely. So key takeaways, there are some pros in buying and building new. There are a lot of cons you need to be aware of them. Take your rose-coloured glasses off and make sure that you are approaching this with a good long-term mindset. Make sure that you get the right advice from the experts in their field. Don't go with what the builder or the developer recommends in terms of your team. And make sure you understand the process, start to finish, every step of the way. Because if you get anything wrong in this process, you could potentially end up either stuck in something that you don't want, unable to get rid of it or, or offload yeah. it, or with negative equity and trying to work out how to get out of something that you actually can't afford to. A lot of people think that a house and land package is like the easy solution. And and I guess what we would do is caution you against that. It's not yeah. easy. Um, and in fact, if it is easy, you know, what's easier to buy can be difficult to sell. So it's actually that in itself is a red flag. So don't look at it as an easy solution. You need to do the work. Just as much as you're going to do the work if you're buying an established property, this is not going to make your journey into your long-term property journey any easier if you get it wrong. It's going to make it worse. Absolutely. Quick note, you might think that we cover everything you need to know in these podcasts, but a word of warning, we do not. We just scratch the surface. If you really want to be an educated first-time buyer, you need to learn all of the steps and how to do everything in the right order. And that means doing our course, which is called Your First Home Buyer Guide. And let me tell you, it only costs $990 and you get direct access to us to help guide you through your negotiations. Now, trust me, trust us, we're real estate agents. (laughs) (laughs) You will overpay by a hell of a lot more than $1,000 if you do not know what you're doing. In this episode, we've only touched on a tiny part of the huge amount of things you need to know to become an educated first home buyer. There is so much more for you to do. You can learn all of the steps in the right order and avoid all of the mistakes that others have made in our 10-step online course for first home buyers. If you'd like to learn more about the right process and avoid making rookie errors, become an educated home buyer. Head over to the website, check out your first home buyer guide, the course that we have created for you. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss an episode. And if you've liked what you've heard today, please give us an iTunes review. It helps other people find us. And of course, I know it's a bit cringy, but we're going to ask for five stars. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. We hope you found this really useful. And if you have, please share the love with others who you know are in the same boat. We'll be back next week with more priceless stuff.